You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. Salvation has to do with a change of government of our lives. It's who is ruling and reigning over our lives. It has to do with a change of ownership. Who is the owner of my life? Am I the owner? Am I a slave to my desires? Am I less as I am in the world? Or am I now liberated to serve the living God? Is God the owner of my life? Does God make the decisions for my life? A boat is controlled by its rudder. Whomever is in charge of that decides where the boat goes. In today's edition of Worship Life Radio, Pastor Holland begins a deep look at salvation and what it means for your life. He shares that at its core, salvation is an issue of lordship. It's about who you give control. You'll be challenged to consider if you'll live in the freedom that Christ brings or slavery to brokenness and sin. You need to ask yourself if you're the owner of your life or if you've let God be the captain of your ship. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Romans chapter 15 as he begins his message, So Great a Salvation. It was Augustine who said this grace hid itself under a veil in the Old Testament, but it has been revealed in the New Testament. And he also said this is the righteousness of God, which was veiled in the Old Testament and is revealed in the New And Paul the Apostle said it like this in Romans 15, 4. He says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And so everything we see in the New Testament is first demonstrated to us in the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament and the New Testament are one book. They, it's a continual stream from beginning to end. Uh, there's a, an erroneous belief that as a New Testament church, we don't need to study the Old Testament because that was the Old Testament. We only need to study the New Testament. But Paul, when he told Timothy to study to show yourself approved unto God, a, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, what word of God was he talking about? Because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. He was talking about the Torah. The Old Testament, what we refer to as the Old Testament, what's better referred to as the Hebrew Scriptures. The first five books of Moses, the laws, the books of history, the books of poetry, the books of the prophets. And so that's what Paul was referring to. And so we don't discount the study of the Old Testament. In fact, what we discover as we study the Old Testament is all of the things we believe about salvation, about faith, about Life was first taught in the Old Testament. And so it's important that we understand that God doesn't change from old to new. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same God of grace and mercy that we find in the New Testament is the same God who is demonstrating grace and mercy in the Old Testament. He's not a God of judgment that judges people for messing up in the Old Testament. All of a sudden in the New Testament, he's a God of grace. He's the same God all the way through. And salvation is one of the things that we discover in the Old Testament. And it's not different in the Old Testament and different in the New Testament. It's the same. And so we're going to begin a series today on the topic of salvation as it's revealed to us in the book of Exodus. And uh, it's a sermon series called So Great a Salvation. 
And we're going to look at what salvation is, what we are saved from, and how we receive this gift of salvation. Now, you might think that something as basic as salvation is something that every Christian should understand, that every Christian would understand the answers to those questions. But Pew Research recently reported that 52% of Protestants and 81% of Catholics in the United States believe that in order to be saved, not only do you need faith, but you need good works. That it's faith plus good works. And so if you don't do good works, then you're not saved. Salvation isn't given to you. Uh, it's especially true amongst the Reformed tradition where, where you have to you know, prove you're saved by doing good works. And if you don't do good works, then it's questioned whether you're saved or not. Only 35% in America believe that salvation is by faith alone, as Paul taught it. According to Lifeway, which is the publishing arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, two-thirds of those surveyed by them admitted that everyone sins a little bit, but still insist that most people are by nature good. You know, they we blow it, you know, we kind of mess up a little bit, but we're, you know, we're relatively good people, and so we should get to go to heaven, you know, because we're all, you know, decent people. 60% agree that everyone eventually goes to heaven, that heaven is for everyone, everyone gets to go. And two-thirds of all evangelicals believe that heaven is a place where all people will ultimately be reunited with their loved ones. You know, we've seen that recently in the news where people are saying, oh, now my loved one has died, and now there's an angel in heaven that I can, you know, that I can pray to or that I can look forward to meeting again. And so you can see that there's a lot of confusion, even amongst the church, about what salvation is, what it means, and how do we receive it. Most definitions of salvation focus primarily on sin. And the idea is because fellowship with God is broken because of Adam's sin, Jesus died on the cross to pay for the forgiveness of sins and to reconcile man to God so that we can go to heaven. And most evangelists will tell you, you can be sure that you're going to heaven if you pray this prayer of salvation. And so the whole emphasis is on where you're going to spend eternity. And although all of that is true, the concept of salvation that we find in the scripture is much bigger. It's much bigger than that. According to the book of Exodus, salvation is a power encounter. And it has to do with freedom from bondage to the world. It has to do with freedom from bondage to the world system. It has to do with being liberated from slavery to sin and the gods of this world. It has to do with being set free to serve the living God. That there is a change of ownership that takes place at salvation. It has to do with God's promise that was given to man in Genesis 3.15 where God said, I will put enmity between Satan and the woman, between Satan's children and Jesus. And Satan will bruise Jesus' heel, but Jesus will crush Satan's head. So salvation has to do with the crushing of the kingdom of darkness that is in the world today. 
And salvation culminates in a change of location where you're no longer living in the land of bondage in Egypt, but you're living in the land of promise, the promised land. And this change of location signifies a change of identity, a change in citizenship. And so we are now not citizens of this world. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. And this results in a future place for us in the promised land called heaven. And so it's a much bigger concept. To say it plainly, salvation has to do with a change of government of our lives. It's who is ruling and reigning over our lives. It has to do with a change of ownership. Who is the owner of my life? Am I the owner? Am I a slave to my desires? Am I less as I am in the world? Or am I now liberated to serve the living God? Is God the owner of my life? Does God make the decisions for my life? Remember Jacob's name. It was changed from Jacob to Israel. And Israel means what? It means governed by God. So it's a change of government that happened in Israel's life. Paul defines true Israel as those who are of faith, those who believe in Galatians 3.7, and those who are of a new creation in Galatians 6.15-16. through 16. So you can see that salvation isn't just for heaven. Salvation is for here and now. It begins here and now. It begins with how we are going to conduct our lives and live our lives here in this place, and it has eternal consequences. That's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Salvation begins now. So with this in mind, I want to read Exodus chapter 7, the first five verses. It says, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt, but Pharaoh will not heed you, so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse. And we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. 
You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is man's role in the salvation process. This is what we're going to talk about today. Man's role in the salvation process. The Lord says to Moses, I have made you as God, and Aaron will be your prophet. And this brings up a very important principle for all believers. Paul said to the Romans in chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent, as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, this scripture is often used to say how important it is to study the Bible. That faith comes as you study the Bible. And if you look at that word, it's, it's not just studying it one time. You don't just read the Bible one time and now you know the Bible. It's a continual exercise. You're continually studying the scriptures. And as you're continually in the word, your faith is continually built up. And it's not just, it's not just any kind of Bible study because how many of you know that there are some Bible studies that you go to that actually discourage you, not encourage you? There are some Bible studies that you go to that point out the law, that point out your failures and your faults and your inability to live up to God's standards, but they don't give you any hope or any power to do that. They just make you feel bad when you leave. I actually had one lady, um, she no longer attends our church because she says I talk about God's love too much. And um, she goes, I come to church because I want to get my spanking. You know, I know I've been bad during the week and I need the preacher to give me a little spanking, make me feel better about what I've done. And so I get a little cathartic experience. I have my good cry before the Lord. Now I'm good for the week. And I'm thinking, wow, in most circles, that is kind of crazy thinking, right? How many people were you like, you know, hurt so good. Come on, Jesus, make me hurt so good. You know, sometimes love is misunderstood. It's like, no, that's crazy thinking right there. That is a crazy way to think. But Paul is writing this verse concerning salvation. He's talking about salvation. And what he says is, how will people know about Jesus? How will they have the chance to respond to Jesus unless someone tells them the good news? Unless someone loves them enough to share the good news with them about Jesus? And I'm the product of someone that loved me enough to tell me about Jesus. I'm the product of someone that, that loved me enough to invite me. And what's crazy is this person that invited me to this Bible study wasn't even a Christian. He just thought it was a great place for us to hang out. You know, because there were two things that, we were 13 at the time, there were two things that every 13-year-old dreams of, and that's food and girls. And so, and most of the guys are going, I still dream of that. But that was what it was. That was the draw for me. But my friend, who was not a Christian, invited me to this Bible study, and through that, I received Jesus Christ. 
I came to faith. Someone loved me enough to put me in a place where I could hear the good news about Jesus. In this passage in uh, Romans, Paul quotes Isaiah 52, verse 7, and which says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, what? Your God reigns. Your God reigns. So the message of salvation always includes the kingship, the rulership, the change of lordship, the ownership of God over the earth. That is the message of salvation. Now, for those of you that say, well, I'm not evangelist. I don't know how to be an evangelist. I don't know how to proclaim Jesus like that. Well, look at all the things that you can talk about. The good news. What good things have God, has God done in your lives? You can talk about that. You talk about good television programs. You talk about good shirts, good places to shop, good places to eat. Talk about the good things that God has done in your life. What about peace? Proclaiming peace to people. When people are all stressed out, hey, you know what? Let's just pray right now. Let's just take a moment and pray and ask God to step into this situation and see what he will do. Glad tidings of good things. Hey, there's good things on the way. We talk about, man, I could be getting this promotion. I could be getting this bonus. I could be getting this thing. It's it's coming my way. Why not talk about the good things that are coming your way from heaven? I've got good things coming my way. Who proclaim salvation. You're in a bad situation. Jesus will rescue you out of that situation. That our God reigns. God reigns over all things. And so we see the importance of you and I to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because they won't hear unless someone tells them, loves them enough to tell them. And that would be you and I, those that God puts in their path. Because faith in Jesus comes when someone tells them the good news of the gospel. And guess what? Just as Moses was God to Pharaoh and Aaron was the prophet to Pharaoh, to the people that are in your life, you are God and God's spokesman to them. They look at you as an example. They look at how you live your life. And they see you as God's representative. And when you speak and say, well, God says this, they believe that you're speaking for God. Because they don't know. They don't know God. Just like Pharaoh did not know God. And so God said, Moses, you're going to be God to them. And Aaron, you're going to be my spokesman to them. They're going to listen to you as they would to me. Now, there are those that will hear and say, well, I don't want that responsibility. I want to be able to live how I want. I want to be able to do what I want. I want to be able to just say what I want, joke how I want, drink how I want, eat how I want, go to whatever places I want to. And I don't want the responsibility of being a representative of God. I don't want that pressure. Well, then to you, I would say there's no middle ground. You're either of light or you're of dark. And in the scriptures, there is no middle ground. There are no such things as carnal Christians in the Bible. I know that's a popular term. But to be carnally minded, the Bible says, is hatred towards God. You can't be a Christian and and have hatred towards God. 
It's not part of the new nature that you have in Christ Jesus. When you have a new nature in Christ, you love God. It, your, your heart is changed. You have a heart of flesh towards God, not a heart of stone. You're not hardened towards God. Your heart is tender towards God. And so it's impossible for a Christian to be carnally minded. But we can be selfish. We can be rebellious. We can have that part of us that says, I don't want to give that part of my life up to the Lord. I don't want to surrender that part to the Lord, which is an oxymoron when you say to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to surrender any part of my life to you. Because either he is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Because the term Lord is a complete and total expression of ownership. You can't have your life your way and follow Yahweh. I like that one. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. And this scripture is, again, misinterpreted to apply to ministry or to leadership in ministry. And so it's like we all have a calling and find out what your calling is. But what it speaks about in the original language in the Greek is that first word when it says walk worthy of the calling, it's speaking of the divine call to relationship. It's the divine call to relationship with God himself. And so that call goes out to everyone. And when you accept that divine call to relationship, with, when it says with which you were called, that second word called means that you were called by name. It's a personal invitation. It's not like, you know, the mail that I get at my house that says to Holland Davis or current resident. You know, you open it up and say, this note was written personally to you, you know, current resident. It's like, they don't know me. But God calls you by name. He knows you by name. And so he invites you into relationship, into this glorious relationship with him by name. It's a personal invitation. And so Paul says, live your life that in a way that is consistent with someone who claims to follow Jesus. I know of a, of a person who, you know, was claiming to be a believer and yet when they tried to give a Bible to their neighbor and invite them to church, the neighbor refused, said, I don't want your Bible. I know how you live. You're living with your boyfriend. And I don't see how you represent God. So I don't want anything. I don't want you to tell me anything about God. That kind of woke that person up, realizing that their life matters. What they do matters. And what you do matters. Because there are people that are believing that you represent God and when you speak that you speak for God friends we want you to know how special you are to us but more importantly we want you to know how special you are to God God loves you and he gave everything for you so that you could have eternal life his son Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven and you could know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven why don't you pray this simple prayer mean it with all your heart and make that decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ to say Jesus I surrender to you 
Forgive me for living my life without you. I don't want to live without you anymore. I want to live for you. Forgive me for breaking your law and fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you pray that prayer, you can have the assurance that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And I look forward to spending that eternity with you. You've been listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis. As we wrap up today's message, we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us in ministry. This radio broadcast is, in a way, a virtual mission field. We're praying that every time a message is shared, someone's heart is drawn to Jesus. We pray for grace to be known and for lives to be changed. Would you join us in lifting up your fellow listeners to the Lord? Ask God to protect them and draw them closer with each moment they listen. There's one more way you can partner with us too. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Worship Life Radio? Every amount given, no matter the size, will be used to spread the gospel message. And we're so grateful for it. You can find out more and donate securely online at calvarysanclemente.org. Just click on Give. Thanks for partnering with us here at Worship Life Radio. Do you live in the San Clemente area? If so, we'd love to have you join us for worship at Calvary Chapel San Clemente. We meet every Sunday at 8 and 10 a.m. And we have a Bible study on Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. that you're welcome to be a part of too. Come for a time of singing praises, learning from the Bible, and being with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you can't come in person just yet, that's okay. You can still be a part of our church online through our website. Find out more at calvarysanclemente.org. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. And be sure to join us next time for another edition of Worship Life Radio. Every one of us is on a journey of grace. God wants you to be free and full of joy. Pastor Holland's message series, A Journey of Grace, will help you discover how to live the abundant life that Jesus promises to give you today. Order your personal copy of A Journey of Grace at worshipliferadio.com.